0: Fort Myers Florida the school board voted recently to institute a high school course that teaches the Jesus Christ in chapter 15. It was this message of the resurrection that he had proclaimed faithfully at Corinth. But now there were some within the confines of the church who were denying an essential aspect of this message, namely the resurrection of dead believers. And so what the apostle says in this chapter is this that every person will one day be raised from the dead. Every person will one day be raised from the dead. The family had lost three children many years ago to diphtheria. They lost them in the same week. There was only one three-year-old girl who escaped the disease. On the following Easter Sunday morning, the father, the mother, and their remaining child attended church. Because the father was the Sunday school superintendent, he led the session where all the classes meet together. We call that, of course, the opening what? Opening exercise is a great biblical concept. As he read from the scriptures in the opening exercises, he read the Easter message of the resurrection. But of course, the people in the church were quite aware of the resurrection is one that is of great significance. Not only is it the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we is a denial of naturalism. It is a denial of materialism, which say that the only reality is the physical and the here and the now. The message of the resurrection To say that there is no resurrection. Then Jesus Christ himself was not raised from the dead. Notice how he puts this in verse 12 with the question that he asks. By the way, someone sent me some questions this week. They got off the internet. A profound questions that will cause the philosophers among us to stay awake this Sunday afternoon. That thinks a lot, doesn't it? questions like, do vegetarians eat vegetables? What do the humanitarians eat? Have you ever thought about that? Why do people who know the least know it the loudest? Have you ever wondered that? This, this question, too, for you vegetarians. Should vegetarians eat Excuse <laughs> me. Secondly, He says in the last part of that verse, and again in verse 17, that the Christian's faith is in vain. If Christ has not been Ever. There's no hope of a future reunion with them every word that has ever been spoken at a funeral of comfort was was wrong was mistaken find in verse 19 he says if christ be not raised then we who are Christians are to be pitied above all what is that well because we face hardship and reproaches and sufferings for the sake of because our faith demands that we sacrifice the here and the now and believe in the reward of God in heaven. But he says, if Christ be not raised, then we're to be pitied, for we are deceived. Now, that's not a very comforting list, is it? So the apostle says, if the false teachers want the other parts of the gospel truth, they can't deny this one of the resurrection of all people at the end because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His resurrection and the future resurrection hold together, they stand together, or they fall together. You can't separate them. You see, they were saying, Jesus' resurrection we believe in, but we don't believe that says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, these are the consequences, but That are significant. First, he calls Jesus the first fruits. Notice, he's been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. The first fruits. This harkens back, of course, to the Old Testament and to the Jewish observance of what was called the Feast of First Fruits. It was observed right. The Lord Jesus Christ fulfills the picture or the type, we sometimes call it, that is found in the first fruits feast. He is the first fruits. He represented in his resurrection the harvest of resurrection that is coming. Christ reveals in fulfillment of this Old Testament type as a Why? Like. Jesus Christ all human beings will be made alive. That's not a universal salvation he's talking about. He's talking about physical resurrection. That's the context. Physical resurrection. And he is saying that by the power of Jesus Christ one day every person who has ever lived will stand again in his J. Coleman Luck, who was a professor at the Bible Institute at the time I went there, says this in his book on Corinthians, By man, Adam, came death. By another man, Christ, comes the resurrection of the dead. All related to Adam died. This includes the whole human race. The statement that in Christ all shall be made alive again refers to the whole human race, not just the saved. Christ's mighty power will someday call forth all from the grave. Their relation to him will determine their future destiny. Jesus himself said that one day that all would hear his voice and be raised from the grave. And that's what Paul is saying. That all will be raised from the dead. And then at that moment, it is their relationship to him that will determine where they go that is their eternal destiny so Paul presents to us powerfully a collective argument he says you cannot separate Jesus Christ from the human race he was born a man he identified with us he was as fully man as any of us and what he did affected every person He is the first fruits of those who sleep, and he is the last Adam who by his power one day will bring again to life every person who's ever lived. The collective argument. But then we proceed to the prophetic argument, verses 23 through 28. What Paul says in these verses is this, that Christ's resurrection initiated an inevitable sequence of events. Resurrection of all the human race. Now there's an order to it. There's some people have an idea that there was a general resurrection someday. I remember as a kid that there was a song that became popular that was, had kind a of line that on that great res- resurrection morning, that great getting up morning, remember that? On that great getting up morning, fairly well. to there's a sequence to it and Paul talks about that he says but he says all will remain alive but each in his own order the word order here means his own rank or we might say his own sequence he says Christ the first fruits that's number one Christ has been raised approximately 30 AD he was raised on the first Easter morning Christ, the first one, that one's done. It guarantees what's coming next. He says, after that, those who are church about those who are asleep God will bring with him the trumpet will sound there's the voice like that of an archangel the authority of it will be so great and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds he says the rapture and so that is the first group those who have been saved in in this age of the church Which begins on the day of Pentecost and and ends on that day when we hear his voice in our conway. But then what about the Old Testament saints? What about Abraham? We sang this morning that marvelous hymn, The God of Abraham, Praise. What about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and those who died in in the Old Testament? And what about those in the tribulation, after the church is taken out, who die? When will they be raised? When will Noah be raised? When will Adam be raised? The answer to that is that they will be raised just before Jesus Christ begins his millennial reign. At the time that he returns to the earth to establish that kingdom, there is that resurrection of the righteous. And included in that would be the Old Testament saints and the murdered tribulation saints. So that at that point, all of those who belong to Jesus Christ will have been raised. So he says, each is on order first Jesus Christ, then those who are Christ at his coming. And then he says, then comes the end. Then comes the completion. Then comes the culmination. What is he talking about here? It seems to me that here he's talking about the end of time. After this thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ that we call the millennium. After the final rebellion has been dealt with. At the end of time, we have the end. I think it's essentially synonymous with the great white throne judgment that is described in Revelation chapter 20. Here's what Jesus calls again in John chapter 5, verse 29, the resurrection unto condemnation. It is when the lost, the unredeemed, the unsaved of all time, To stand before Jesus Christ at the final judgment. That is the final part of the resurrection. So the sequence is Jesus Christ. Then those who belong to him. That will occur in a couple of phases. And finally, all of the lost at the end time that time there will be victory over death. Notice what Paul goes on to say. Then comes the end when he delivers up the kingdom to God the Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. Talking there probably about the powers of darkness, the authorities, the rulers, the powers of darkness. He will have abolished all of Paul now explains this. He must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. And after the dead stand before the Lord and are judged, then death and Hades, death and hell itself, are cast into the eternal lake of fire. He says in verse 27, He has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says that all things are put in subjection, it's evident that he is accepted And the last thing that will be subjected to him is death. He will deal with death. He has conquered it now, but he hasn't dealt with it finally. He will cast it into the lake of fire. It's personified here. Cast into the lake of fire. And when everything has been subjected to him, then it says that he will subject himself to the Father. And the reason for this is that God may be all in all. And there we have what I think is the initiation of the eternal state again. The new heavens and the new earth that is prophesied at the end of the book of Revelation. The resurrection is woven into the whole of what God has planned for the future is the point here. Point is that none of this stuff that I just talked about can happen if there is no resurrection of the dead. There's going to be no kingdom. There's going to be no subjection to the Father of everything. God cannot be all in all if there is no resurrection of you say was, I hope so. When the great Christian, Sir Walter Raleigh, was about to be beheaded, the night before his execution in his Bible, he wrote these words, is a secure hope. It is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Secondly, those asleep in Christ are safely at rest. Death in fact may take them away. But they is this that the actions of this life matter every person will stand in the presence of Jesus Christ someday to give account of himself that includes you and me but includes every person in the world whether people acknowledge Christ or have ever even heard of him the fact is that someday every person will stand before Christ to give account for this life and so what happens in this life matters. The actions of this life count. You know, our, our nation's morals used to be based upon this concept. That is not true anymore. And people think that they can act with impunity, that it makes no difference what they do. They are deceived by a false teaching that has overtaken our culture, the false teaching of naturalism. The Bible says that one day every person is going to stand before God to give an account. Do you think that would make a difference, how children act in a schoolroom, or how people act on the streets, if they really believe that one significant in ourselves. We are just to it. That is Jesus Christ, the, the spirit of life, dwells in us. And we have that spirit to draw upon. We have his power, the power of the resurrection, of which to stand for Christ in this world and share our faith and live through the trials of our lives. The power of his resurrection spirits Jesus, if you can be sure that... Sing with me because he live.